Well, good morning, everybody. It's really good to be here with you guys. I love the opportunities I get uh, to come down here to South Naperville and hang out. Um, as, uh, as Stephanie's bringing those questions up, I want to tell you guys a quick story. Uh, this actually happened about 10 years ago at our Kimberly Way location. Um, we were doing an Ask Anything week like this, and uh, there was a lady there, and after the service, she told me her story about 10 years before that, so this is like 20 years ago now. Uh, she had been a very active part of a church, and uh, um, she was at a voters' meeting, and uh, they were presenting something, the pastor was up there presenting something, and, and she had a question, something that she was puzzled about. And so she, she raised her hand, and she stood up and asked the question, and apparently uh, the pastor wasn't happy with her question. And uh, he told her that right there in the meeting. He told her that that was a question she shouldn't have asked. And so she sat back down, and she was kind of embarrassed. And then the next day, uh, there was a knock on her door in the afternoon. It was two of the elders from the church, and they were there to tell her that they thought she needed to apologize uh, to the pastor for the question she had asked. And she didn't think she did, and so she said no. And they said, well, you're not welcome back at church until you apologize to, to pastor. And, um, and, and so she said, so she had never gone back. She had never gone back to church for 10 years. But every day, she drove by our church there on uh, Kimberly Way, or Route 53, and every day when she'd drive by, there was this little voice in her head saying that, you know, you should go to church there. You should try church there. And it took her 10 years to finally work up the courage uh, to walk in uh, to our church uh, that, sat, that Sunday morning. And she walked in, and the first thing she found out was we were doing one of these Ask Anything weeks. And uh, um, my son told me the other day that he read somewhere that, uh, um, that coincidence is God's way of re remaining anonymous. And uh, I think that's really true. Uh, obviously, it wasn't a coincidence that she finally showed up that day. And she said with tears in her eyes that, that uh, when she found out there was a church where she could ask her questions, and it didn't matter what the question was, that, uh, that, that all questions were okay, uh, she knew that was the place that God wanted her to be. So um, I'm going to give you one of three kinds of answers this morning, okay? Uh, I don't know what questions you've got in there, or I don't know what you might want to ask, and let me just echo what's been said a couple of times now. Um, I'll, I'll answer the questions we have on the cards, but if you've got a follow-up question or if a question comes to mind that you didn't write down that you want to ask, uh, please feel free to just you know, jump right in and do that. Um, but I'm going to give you one of three kinds of answers. If the Bible has a clear answer to your question, in other words, if I can say with confidence, this is what God says about that, that's the answer I'm going to give you. Um, but, but there may be some questions that you ask where the Bible isn't so clear. And if that's the case, I'll give you the second kind of answer. You know, I'll say, well, well, the Bible isn't clear, but here's what we think, and here's why we think it, based on some things that the Bible is clear about. Um, so I'll either say, here's what the Bible says, and I'll make sure you understand that that's clear. Or I'll say, well, it's not really clear, but here's what we think based on what the Bible says. Or my third kind of answer would be, I don't know. All right? Because I may, I may have to answer it that way. I may just say, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if there is an answer to that. Uh, but if I say I don't know, I promise uh, that, that I'll try to figure out. And if I can follow up with an answer, I'll, I'll let you know. So, all right, without any further ado, let's just uh, reach in and grab and let's, let's go. <laughs> uh, this one says, what happens to Trinity South Naperville if we don't reach our goal of 50 adults by the end of our three-year time span? I don't know. Well, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question. That's, that's not so much a God question. That's more of a how we try to follow God's will question. And I can tell you this. Uh, the, our church, first of all, has always been the kind of church that was willing to take bold uh, steps trying new things. And sometimes they work. 
and sometimes they don't work. And, uh, and when they work, it's not because we're awesome, it's because God blessed it. And when they don't work, uh, sometimes it's because we've maybe gotten in the way of what God wanted to do, that's possible, but we work hard not to make that happen. Often, if it doesn't work, it's because God chose not to bless it. You know, maybe, maybe we thought we understood God's will on something, and, and God chose, and we weren't really listening clearly, and so God put up some barriers to get us in the right place. And so we as a church are just always asking that question, are we doing what God is calling us to do? Um, and if we are, uh, then we trust that God's going to provide the results. And, and if we're not, we want God to get us directed in the direction we need to go. So I don't know. We'll see. Did God save the people who believed in him? Uh, oh, I th- so I, I, I don't think I understand. It died before Jesus took away sin and let people who believed in God go to heaven. So, all right, so I, I think the, the, uh, this question is really asking, you know, we know that we, we will be in heaven because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Right? He paid the price for our sins. Uh, he has restored us in our relationship with God. And, and so we know that, and so that's why we're going to go to heaven. And I think what this question is asking is, well, what about the people that lived before Jesus did that, before Jesus died on the cross? And, uh, and, and the answer to that is really pretty simple. The answer is that they are saved the same way we are. We point back to what Jesus did for us. They pointed forward in time what Jesus was going to do for them. But Jesus is the answer for all of us. And, uh, and, and so whether that means that, that we know exactly what Jesus did and how he did it, or whether they trusted in a promise that Jesus was going to come, and they didn't know exactly what that was going to look like, uh, Jesus is still the answer. On, on the cross, Jesus paid the price for everyone's sins. Your sins, mine, that, sins that hadn't even been committed yet, and for all the sins that he committed before that in the Old Testament. In fact, there's a Bible verse that talks about how God, God um, how did it say it? It says that something like God uh, chose to look away. I think that's maybe a good translation of the Hebrew word there. God chose to look away uh, to, from their sins knowing that Jesus was going to come. So the answer uh, for people either before or after is the same. It's through Jesus. In 1 Peter 1, or in 1 Peter, it says, to be prepared with an answer of your hope. Uh, What's your hope? How do you answer this question? So in 1 Peter, uh, the verse literally says, it says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have in Christ Jesus, but do so with gentleness and respect. And what it's talking about is it's talking about the kind of situation um, where someone might approach you and say, I've seen you in difficult circumstances. You know, I, I, I saw you when you lost your job. And, and yeah, you were upset, like most people would be for losing their job, but, but you had hope. You, you believed that God was going to come through, and God was, it was God's will, and God was going to uh, help you. How, that, how can you believe that? That's the kind of question that, that, that this is talking about. Um, it's talking about this idea that that we have hope. We know that no matter what our circumstances are, um, no matter how difficult our circumstances, that that God has promised he will never leave us or forsake us. And in Romans 8, it says, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. And so we have that promise from God that, that nothing can separate us from his love. 
And so that's the hope that we have. Um, I love, there's a, a, a verse in Thessalonians that we read often at funerals. It says, um, do not grieve the way the rest of the world grieves as if you had no hope. In other words, we as Christians, it's okay to grieve when someone we love dies, for example, or when something bad has happened. It's okay to be upset, but we do it with hope. We, we, we grieve differently. We're, we're upset differently. We know that God is going to work in our lives. And when we do that, people notice. Because it isn't normal, is it? Uh, um, I have two good friends that are in our small group. And uh, it's two years ago now. Um, on December 1st, he lost his job and got laid off. And three days later, she lost her job and got laid off. Both of them kind of out of the blue. So all of a sudden, you know, like three, four weeks before Christmas, neither one of them were working. And uh, I was amazed at how they were just like, we, tr- we trust that God's going to take care of us. Now, they've said since then that there were some sleepless nights. But on the outside, they, they showed that hope. And, and so that's what that verse is talking about, that, that hope that we have. And by the way, there's another really cool verse in Scripture that says, don't worry about what you're going to say um, in, in, the, in a specific moment because the Holy Spirit will give you words. And I take comfort in that as well, that, that we do our best to be prepared when someone asks about our faith. Um, but we can also trust that the Holy Spirit's going to give us the right words, too, when that happens. You guys all chose the yellow side to write on. So, um, uh, Would it be possible to evaluate the effectiveness of our social media check-ins? Can we, uh, um, and there's so a further question on that as well. You know, I'm going to pass that one on to Mike. Um, because I think that's a great question for him to be able to answer for you. I'm not sure exactly what he is doing uh, to evaluate what you guys are doing on social media and stuff like that. So I will, uh, I'll pass that one on to Mike. How do you view speaking in tongues? So the Bible talks about these things called gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, And it lists a whole bunch of them. And um, one of those gifts that it lists is this concept of speaking in tongues. Now, um, typically Christians describe speaking in tongues as um, speaking guided by the Holy Spirit in a language that, that you don't necessarily know. Christians have two different uh, beliefs or views of that. Some people say what that's talking about is, do you remember on Pentecost how Peter and the other disciples started preaching to these crowds and, uh, and the crowds were from all over the world, and they all heard them in their own language, in language that the disciples wouldn't have known. So there was something miraculous happening there. And some people say that's what speaking in tongues is. I have a, a, another friend who's a pastor who um, did not know Spanish. He had taken like one year of high school Spanish. That was it. Um, and he was on a mission trip in Peru, and they asked him to get up and preach. And, and he said, well, of course, you're gonna, I'm going to need an interpreter. And they said, yeah, no, that's fine. We've got an interpreter all ready to go. And then at the last moment, the interpreter didn't show up. And he got up, and he was like, and he just started preaching in Spanish, full Spanish, even though he had never spoken. And he still, to this day, speaks Spanish fluently now. And uh, had one year of high school Spanish. And, and he really believes that that was God giving him that gift of speaking in tongues. Maybe. Other people believe that speaking in tongues is something a little different, that it's speaking in a, in a language that no one really knows or understands. It's a new language, a language guided by God's Spirit. And they believe that praying in that way and speaking in that way uh, helps them connect with God. Now, I can tell you, I've never spoken in tongues either way. 
Um, here's what we believe. We believe that God uh, can give people that gift. But Paul also warns, because in Corinthians, um, we heard from Ephesians earlier today, and that's a church in a place called Ephesus. There's another church in Corinth, and uh, Paul wrote a couple of letters to them, and one of the problems they were having is some people were speaking in tongues and going, I'm a better Christian than you are because you don't speak in tongues. And so Paul really warns in that letter that it's okay for people to experience that gift from God, but by the same token, that's not what our faith is all about. That's not at the center of our faith. You can be just as good a Christian whether you speak in tongues or not. And so that's what we believe as a church. We don't believe that God can't or wouldn't give someone a, a gift like that, but it's not something we, we look for or think that we have to do in order to live out our faith. Um, when was the last time God spoke to you? Uh, what did his voice sound like? It's an interesting question. Um, I have never audibly heard the voice of God. So I, I would say that it, for what did his voice sound like, I, I didn't audibly hear the voice of God. Now, I know some people that have. And obviously, God can speak to people, right? Um, but here's what happens when God speaks to me. And he does it not often. Um, I mean, he speaks to me every day through his word, right? Every time I open up God's word and read it, God is speaking me, to me through his word. Um, but, but I'll have these thoughts that just pop into my mind um, that seem to come from nowhere that I know aren't, isn't something that I thought of. Um, and so then my first question is, is that from God? And I kind of test that. I have some really good friends uh, who are strong Christians, and I'll go to them and I'll say, I think God told me this. What do you guys think? And if they go, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Why would you think God said that to you? Then I know that it was probably just a random thought of my own, right? But if they go, well, that doesn't conflict with God's word. There's nothing in the Bible that would conflict that. And yeah, I could see God telling you that then I know, okay, maybe that was from God. So the, la they said the question here was, when was the last time that happened to you? It was about a little over a year ago now. Um, we had had a staff meeting, um, and uh, um, we've got some pretty strong people on our staff. Uh, you guys know Pastor Mike? Great guy, um, passionate guy, um, has very clear ideas about where he believes God is leading you guys here at South Naperville. Um, and that's the same for all of our site pastors, right? And uh, so there's some pretty strong leaders in that room, and there are some times we don't agree on everything. And I remember one particular time where we were having trouble wrestling through an issue and uh, really kind of struggling with it. And at, by the end of the meeting, we had not come uh, to any kind of conclusion on working this out together. And I remember being frustrated, and I remember thinking, I don't know how this is going to get fixed. I don't know how we're going to resolve this issue. And, and then I started having some self-doubt. I started thinking, maybe, maybe I'm getting old and I shouldn't be the senior pastor here anymore. Maybe, I, you know, I, maybe I'm not the right person to help these guys try to figure this out anymore. And I was walking out to my car, and here's what God said to me. God said, if you can't sort this out with them, who can? In other words, he was saying, you know, you're kind of uniquely positioned here to help these guys sort through this. And uh, so, again, talked to a couple friends of mine. I said, I think God told me this. What do you guys think? And they're like, yeah, that sounds exactly what like, God would say to you. And sure enough, we were able to work it through. And God was able to use uh, me in that situation. Uh, and, uh, and so it was really kind of reassuring to know that God was saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you. We're going to get this figured out. So 
I would love to hear from you guys times that you've felt God talk to you. Um, how did Christians come up with A.D. and B.C.? Interestingly enough, Christians didn't come up with A.D. and B.C. Um, it was actually the, the, the Roman government that came up with A.D. and B.C. Now, they based it off uh, what they believed was the birth of Jesus because Christianity was starting to have such a huge effect on the Roman Empire. But it was actually the, the Roman government that came up with that idea. A.D. Uh, is... Anno Domini, I think, right? Something like that. It's Latin for after the birth of Jesus or after the year of the Lord. Right, yeah, right. So, yeah, thanks. Uh, and B.C., I always thought it means before Christ, but I think it means something else. So, I don't know. Anyway, so. i got one more, and then you guys are going to have to ask some questions. Huh? Or I have some questions for you. Um, Yeah, so what can the church do to, to better serve parents of competitive athletes when their schedule often requires Sunday morning activities that conflict with the church? You know, that's becoming more and more a reality, isn't it? I remember um, when I first became a pastor, uh, this was in 1994, um, I was in Park Ridge, Illinois, and we had a local clergy association that would meet once a month. Um, and I remember going there, and one of the pastors said, I got a problem my son's playing soccer on this traveling team, and they're starting to schedule games on Sunday mornings, and I don't know what to do, because I've always told my son, Sunday morning, you're in church. What am I going to do? And that, that was the first time I remember hearing that a sports league was actually scheduling something on a Sunday. Because when I grew up, Sunday mornings were a no-no. Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Because a lot of churches had like their confirmation classes or whatever on Wednesday nights. And so when I played Little League, we had practice on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. No practice on Wednesday because of confirmation. And games were on Saturday, not on Sunday. Um, and then I remember some games started on Sunday afternoons. But Sunday morning was a no-no. Well, not anymore, is it? You know, we live in what, what I would call a post-Christian society. Uh, a society that certainly is open to Christianity, but... but Christianity no longer informs the daily decisions our society makes. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, so what do you do? Well, first of all, um, one of the things we do as a church is, at, like at our Green Trails location, we have Saturday night. We have a Saturday night service, and we do that specifically uh, for that idea so that if people have a conflict on Sunday morning, they have a place they, they can go. So, so there, and more and more churches are doing that as well. Um, but here's the other thing I'd say. Um, I will always say going to church on Sunday morning is a, is a great idea, right? Um, but I would also say it's not the only chance you have to gather together with other believers. There's small groups. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's your daily devotions with God where you have a chance to gather with him. So while, while Sunday morning church is important and, and making it priority to be here is very important, um, there are times when you're going to miss. And God doesn't go, oop, love you a little bit less because you didn't make it to church, right? He doesn't. So um, any other questions? Or I've got one for you. If, oh, go ahead, please. Okay, in the Bible it says God gives us free will. Yep. And with that we can make decisions, good ones and bad ones. Yep. In my little brain, I wish that he had designed us so that all of our free will would be good. Yeah, right. Yeah. There would be no right. for help or anything else. Sure. So, to me, being not God, it would be just as easy to, to make man right. in that way versus... Yeah. So, yeah, so let's think about that a little bit. So, 
we do, God did give Adam and Eve in that garden free will, right? At the very beginning. And so all human beings have this idea where we can choose to follow God and his plan for our life, or we can choose something different. And in fact, if you remember, the temptation that Satan put in front of Eve in the garden was, um, uh, God knows that if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then you'll be like him and you'll get to decide what's right and wrong. Um, basically, the temptation there was, you don't have to follow God's plan for your life, you can figure out your own plan for your life, right? Um, and so why did he do that? Your question is really, you know, why didn't he, yeah, he give, you have a choice to choose, but it's four options and they're all good, right? That's kind of what you're asking. Um, think of it this way. In order for love to be genuine, there has to be the ability to not love, even though not loving is a bad thing. Um, if I told you that uh, my wife and I were married 40 years um, on December 30th, so praise God for that. We were both 10 when we got married. No, that's, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm 60, so I was 20 when we got married, but, uh, which was young, but we still, we've been married 40 years. Uh, imagine if I told you, hey, I got a secret. Um, the week before we got married, uh, or no, a year before we got married, when I proposed to Betty and she said yes, I had slipped something in her drink that made her say yes. And, and I don't think she would have loved me otherwise, but because I gave her this love potion, now she's been married to me for 40 years. You would think that was the creepiest thing you'd ever heard of, right? At least I would hope you would, right? Um, and, uh, and, and so, so for us to truly have free will, uh, our choices can't be limited. We, we need to be able to choose good and bad. We need to be able to choose to love God or to not love God, to, to love others or to not love others, to follow uh, God's plan for our life or to follow our own plan for our life. Um, and, and so the end, result of, the end result of Betty having free will is she could have said no when I asked her to marry me. Or anywhere along those 40 years, she could have said, you know what, this isn't working for me anymore. I want a divorce. And, and, and for that to, if that wasn't an option, then being married 40 years wouldn't really be that big a deal, right? Because she didn't have a choice. Um, and so it would be great. And by the way, the cool thing is we're told in heaven, even though we will still have free will, God's law will be written so completely on our hearts that we'll just always do the right thing. And I can't wait for that. And I don't know why that's possible in heaven and not here now. Um, but, but I do know that the free will that God gave us is the two-edged sword that you talked about. It means that we can choose good things or we can choose bad things. And that, that affects us and it affects others around us. And I think that's the saddest thing. When, when I make a bad decision and I suffer the consequences, oh, well, I made the bad decision. But when I make a d bad decision, and it's not only me that suffers the consequences, but the people I love, or maybe even people I don't even know, um, that's the saddest of all, isn't it? Here's God's promise. Even though he gave us free will, um, he promises he will never leave us or forsake us. So um, even when God cannot prevent us from going through something difficult because we live in a broken world and he'd have to violate his own rules that he set up where we have free will, um, God does promise us that he will be with us no matter what we're going through. So, any other, we got maybe time for one more. Yeah, yeah, please, go ahead. Um, I just had a question. I was actually at a party a 
Yeah. Well, I do. It was that Holy Spirit whispering in your ear, right? Yeah. Obviously, like, it got people talking. Yeah. But since coming to Trinity, and I know Trinity is Lutheran, but I feel like I'm not just Lutheran. I feel like here I've become a follower of Jesus. That's so awesome to hear. That's so awesome to hear. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Here's how I always say it. If you take a look at what Christians believe, if, if this is everything Christians believe, this much is the same. It really is. Whether you're Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Presbyterian or Lutheran, there's this huge amount of stuff that we believe the same things about, which is why, by the way, um, it's up to, I think, Tim, you said 800. It's up over 1,000 churches now in the Chicago area are doing this Explore God together. And churches of all kinds, Catholic, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, all doing this Explore God. And when you look at those seven questions that we're going to be looking at, all of us as Christians believe the same answers to those questions. And, and so that's really cool. Now, there is this stuff out here that we believe differently of. Like, in a little bit, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper together. And Christians believe differently about the Lord's Supper. Um, and so we, we shouldn't just ignore those differences. But those differences shouldn't define us. Um, Martin Luther, by the way, remember the founder of Lutheranism, right? hated the idea when people started calling themselves Lutherans. He wanted us to be called followers of Jesus or Christians. Uh, because he believed that's really what it was all about. And, uh, and so um, we do believe different things. Um, I, I've, always, I've always toyed with the idea, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll have to do it as the last thing I do before I retire. Um, we sh I don't think we should use the name Lutheran. I really don't. Because um, I, I, I have some friends that I've invited to church, and you know what their first answer is? Well, it's a Lutheran church. I'm not Lutheran. I can't come to your church, can I? Like, yeah, you can. Of course you can, you know. And um, that, I don't know, maybe I'd get fired if I took the name Lutheran out of it. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I love that answer. And I think that was from God. I think God gave you that answer. I really do. So, um, well, the kids aren't back. Let's go. Yeah, go ahead. Go ask another one. Yeah. One of the questions that I get quite often Yeah. Is Yeah. Why did it take so long for God to put Jesus Christ here yeah. versus all the turmoil and the struggles that people went through in the Old Testament? Yeah. And um, great conflict to, you know, mur you know he, he, um, God instructed people to wipe out yeah. Um, certain. Yeah, there was some horrible stuff going on in the Old Testament. So yeah. The questions I've been asked yeah. is what took this long? I yeah. Yeah, and that's one of those questions where I don't know the answer to either, and I don't think this side of heaven anybody does. We do know this. The Bible says that it was at just the right time God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. So, so God says that it was the exact right moment. Now, I've heard people speculate that if Jesus had come earlier than that, before the Romans were there with their system of roads and things like that, the gospel couldn't have spread as fast as it did. It's speculation. Um, I could argue, well, now with the internet would have been even better, right, if Jesus came now. Um, so uh, I, I, we don't know the answer to that. We, we do know that God sent his son at just the right time. Interestingly enough, so remember, Adam and Eve sin, 
God makes them a promise that one of Eve's descendants is going to be the one through whom uh, that he's going to fix humanity, right? Fix this problem because of Adam and Eve's sin. And so Eve gives birth to a child right after that. Now she's had Cain and Abel already. Um, No, 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 I think it is Cain actually that she gives birth to right away. And she says, here's the answer to God's promise to me. She thinks that's Jesus right away. And it was, it was going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of years before God kept that promise. So I, I, the, the, I think we just have to say, I don't know, but God promises us it was the exact right moment. So, yeah. So. Great questions, guys. Let me, let me ask you guys one last quick, kind of quick one, because it's one I get a lot. What would you say to someone that said, well, whether you're Christian or Hindu or Muslim or Buddhist, those are all just different pathways to God. What, what would you say to that? You know, Angus, what do you think? What would you say? Yeah, what would you say? That's a cool answer. Yeah. It, that is one of the things that makes Christianity different than every other world religion. Uh, in Christianity, our re- relationship with God is based solely on his action, not on ours. It's a free gift that we're given. Where every other world religion, there, there's, it's a two-way street. God says, well, I will do this for you if you do that. So, yeah. Um, here's, here's the answer I always kind of give. Um, if, if our job was to find our way to God, I think all the world religions and that they're all just different ways to God would be a very valid way to think. I mean, imagine that Clay said, hey, y'all are all invited to Linda's my house after church today for lunch. You're, you're not saying that, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> it might surprise Linda. Yeah, right, right. So, uh, but, but if Clay said that, and he gave you a map, and there were two or three or four or five different ways that you could get to his house, that makes sense, right? Okay, well, you went one way, I went a different way, but we all ended up at Clay. We're great. You know, you might be a Muslim, you might be a Jew, you might be Christian, but we all end up at God. We're right. But here's the thing. There's no way for us to find our way to God. Um, there, the, it's impossible. We can't do it. Um, instead, God found his way to us. Now, Clay, how many different ways did you take to get here this morning? But how many did you take today? Just one, right? <laughs> yeah, right? There was only one way. And it worked because you're here, right? And, and so, so that's what I would say. If, if our job was to find our way to God, it would make sense that there would be lots of different ways to find your way to God. But we can't do that. And in fact, we don't have to find our way to God because God found his way to us. And he did that one way through Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, all right, great. Well, thanks. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we got a song, right? So... Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, um, thank you for being a God that is never too big for our questions. I mean, I think about stories in the Bible like um, Abraham arguing with you about Sodom and Gomorrah or, or Moses challenging you uh, about what you were doing with his people or um, even Jesus, your son, in the garden saying, Father, if there's another way, take this cup away from me. Uh, Lord, You're not too big a God for our questions. And so I pray that, Lord, we as a church would always be the kind of church where where we can ask questions, Um, where it doesn't matter what that question is, that there's no question that's uh, too foolish, 
or there's no question that's disrespectful or too challenging, that we'd always be able to ask questions and, and try to work our way through the answers. But Lord, in the end, I pray that you'd assure us again of the one um, truth that, that we, can, we never need to question, that you love us and that you've given us the gift of your love and your grace, that there's nothing that can separate us from that love and there's no circumstance in our life that your love isn't powerful enough to prevail in. So Lord, thank you for that gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.